The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We explored how concentration, right concentration on the Eightfold Path, supports the development of wisdom, of understanding. Not just any kind of wisdom, but the, the understanding about the nature of experience as impermanent, unreliable as a source of lasting happiness. That is not, not worth clinging to because in that clinging we are assuming a kind of we're we're assuming both when we cling to something it's like we're assuming both that there's a permanence to it at least of certain uh you know some kind of um of um stability to the thing we're clinging to and we're also a kind of assuming that it's going to be a reliable thing that will make us happy something about the clinging the view the uh belief embedded in that clinging is that holding on to this thing will make me feel more safe, more happy, more loved, more at ease in the world. And that that clinging, that belief, that view is basically uh, founded on a misperception, a a misunderstanding of the nature of the experience we're clinging to thinking that there is some permanent, reliable uh, nature of it. And so with the development of the Eightfold Path, the cultivation, starting from the beginning of the Eightfold Path with this kind of understanding of the nature of experience, we have to have some place. We, we start with an understanding. The wisdom in this path, the wisdom that's developed on the path, starts from a kind of an intellectual understanding. We may hear something. Maybe it resonates. Maybe it doesn't really resonate. But maybe we're willing to engage with the practices that are said to be supportive for helping us move in the direction of more ease and peace in our lives. And so the Eightfold Path begins with a, 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 a stepping into some of the teachings, some of the wisdom that the Buddha offers around this very uh, thing. The nature of experience is impermanent, unreliable, not worth clinging to, the Buddha says. There's nothing worth clinging to. Because that clinging creates suffering, creates stress, creates struggle, unease, unhappiness, and actually lack of safety. So the wisdom relates to that growth of understanding around the what starts as a kind of an intellectual understanding. We hear information perhaps from Dharma talks, from friends, from friends on the path, from teachers. And then we begin to work with it. With the Eightfold Path, in the practice of the Eightfold Path, we begin to 
employ the method the Buddha encourages us, wise wise understanding, wise intention, wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood, wise effort, wise mindfulness, all supporting wise concentration. And that cultivation of those factors of the path creates conditions that concentration that arrives because concentration is not something we do it is it arises when the conditions are there so the first seven factors of the eightfold path really create the conditions for the arising of that concentration and the arising of all of those together those first seven factors plus the concentration creates the conditions for the arising of the direct understanding, the direct knowledge, the direct witnessing of the impermanent, unreliable nature of experience. And when there's that direct witnessing, our minds begin to get it, that it's not worth clinging to. And so our minds begin to slowly work their way to letting go of that clinging and craving. I had this image of the Eightfold Path. Maybe it came up last night or this morning. I don't remember exactly when, but it came up as I was thinking about talking about this this morning. And the image that came to me is that each path factor, each of those eight practices, are kind of like a strand of a rope and they weave together those eight strands of the path so it's not it's not so much like there is a kind of a sense that there is a kind of a conditioned wise understanding supports wise intention when we understand have 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 taken in something about um the uh the nature of experience as impermanent, unreliable, and have heard that it's useful to explore experience from the perspective of of mindfulness and being curious about experience in the moment. That understanding will lead to, hopefully, begins to lead to the intention to engage. And so there is a kind of a stair-step kind of fashion in which these factors support each other. Wise intention supports what I mean, wise understanding supports wise intention, which supports the intention to engage in harmony with our with our fellow human beings, with with ethical conduct, wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood. And all of those together, the the um, they support the arising of effort towards non-suffering. So all of them kind of do support each other one after the other, but they also weave together. It's not like we practice one and then put it down and then the next one comes in. They're, they're all kind of being massaged at the same time. And so this idea, this idea, this notion of these eight threads of a rope, kind of they, the, in, in a rope, the threads kind of get woven around each other and they support each other. They, they twist together and they the strength of that twisting together supports each other and it becomes stronger than any one of the threads individually. And so with that kind of interweaving of those threads of the Eightfold Path, 
that creates the conditions for the arising of understanding, direct understanding. The experience of understanding impermanent, unreliable, not-self nature of experience. And then as we, we understand that, as there is a direct experience, that kind of confirmation, it's, 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 it, can, it can feel startling. It is insight. This experience of wisdom, when, when, exp- when wisdom arises in that moment, it's not something we do. It's like a, a little gift. Wisdom arises in dependence on the conditions that have been created by those eight path factors coming together. So we don't do it, but there's the, the way in which the conditions of our practice of the Eightfold Path supports the arising of that direct understanding, that insight. It often feels like a little bit of a shift in the mind, a little bit of an aha, a little bit of, oh, yeah, I see. I see something I didn't see before. So there's, there can be, in our practice, ex- the experience of wisdom, the experience of insight. With that experience, it, it's like it gives us a boost of confidence because there's, it's, it's, it's like, oh, now I get it. Now I see what they've been talking about. I see. And so there's, there's confidence and there's also energy that's, that's brought to our practice. It's not like we usually, usually in those first moments of like, oh, wow, I see something. We, we don't feel like, Oh, I figured it all out. You know, there's just a little bit of a hint. It's just a little taste, a little sense of, oh, there's more here to see. There's more here to understand. And so there's a, a kind of a, a deepening of the confidence and the value of doing what we've been doing. And so we continue to engage. And then it's like we, 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 we weave in more of those strands of the Eightfold Path with the ones that have been there. So the, the continued engagement is like every time we're engaging with the path of practice, we're, we're weaving in more of those strands and strengthening the, the fibers to be able to understand and see the truth, the nature of experience as impermanent, unreliable, not self. As I said, the the experience of the arising of wisdom is a gift. It's not something we do. It's not something we make happen. But we support the conditions for it. The conditions of cultivating the Eightfold Path. And recognizing the experience of wisdom, recognizing when that's happening, is another supportive condition for the development of wisdom. So wisdom is a mental formation, much as concentration is a mental formation, love is a mental formation, equanimity is a mental formation, concentration is a mental formation, patience is a mental formation. Right now I'm listing wholesome mental formations. There are also some... some unwholesome mental formations, anger, confusion, hatred, greed. These functions of the mind that 
have an activity that kind of propel us towards the next thing that we do. It's mental formations. One of the functions of mental formation is to propel us onward. So the, the, the wholesome and the unwholesome mental formations, the practice essentially encourages and supports the cultivation of the wholesome mental formations, which lead us to more to understanding that greed, aversion, and delusion contribute to our struggles, our suffering, and to help us see the impermanent, unreliable, not-self nature of experience. Greed, aversion, and delusion are founded on the belief that there is something permanent, reliable to engage with, something self. And so these, these two, the, the, the habits that get us caught and the misunderstanding about these truths are intimately connected. So when we bring attention to these wholesome qualities of mind, when we become aware of Bring that quality of wise mindfulness to patience or love or concentration. When we are aware that they're happening while they're happening, that tends to strengthen those qualities in that it creates the conditions for them to arise more frequently in the future. Because our system really understands or kind of resonates with those wholesome qualities as wholesome, as onward leading, as very different from the way that we tend to um, get caught by things. So our heart, our minds directly experience the value of those wholesome qualities, which tends to create the conditions for them to arise more in the future. And so wisdom being one of those wholesome qualities, we can also become aware of the experience of wisdom. Sayadaw Utejaniya, when I was on retreat with him at one point, asked me to be aware of the, what, what his phrase was, be aware of wisdom at work. Be aware of when wisdom is working in the mind. He often talked about our mental formations as um, things that have jobs. You know, that the, uh, greed has its job of holding on to things. Aversion has its job of pushing things away. Love has its job of connecting us. Wisdom has its job of helping the mind to understand that greed, aversion, and delusion are not helpful. Wisdom has the job of helping us to see impermanent, unreliable, not self-nature of experience. And so Sayadaw asked me to, you know, notice when wisdom is working. And this was like, it was, it was not, um, I didn't understand how to do that, actually. I didn't quite understand what he meant. But I could kind of sort of see that there were times when I was suffering less and times where I was suffering more. And so I kind of began exploring experience from, well, where, when I'm suffering less, I'm just going to say to myself, well, wisdom must be working here. I don't quite know how it's working, but wisdom must be working here. Because I know that, so this, was, this is kind of using the intellectual understanding, right? Because I knew that wisdom had the um, capacity to help the mind be free from suffering. 
So I began the exploration of just noticing when there was a little bit less suffering, sometimes when a lot less suffering. And when I was caught, I would, I would know, you know, that no wisdom is not working right now. So the, the, um, that exploration over time led me to be able to articulate some of the ways that we know wisdom is working. So this, the exercise, as I described it to you, you know, Sayadaw Utejaniya did not give me this Dharma talk. He just told me, yeah, go off and, and notice wisdom at work. Um, and I've kind of found my way to this. But I have found it helpful to kind of to point to this for people because wisdom is working so much of the time in our practice and, and kind of highlighting that it, that there is wisdom working and recognizing, oh yeah, there is wisdom there. It strengthens. It's a condition that supports wisdom. And so right now I just want to name a few examples of ways that you might notice wisdom at work. These are just a few. Um, Not exhaustive list here, but some of the ones that maybe happen maybe more frequently in a way so that the ones that many of you have probably already experienced, but maybe not quite recognized. Oh yeah, that's wisdom. Sometimes when we experience the arising of wisdom, what we're more focused on is the, uh, the lessening of suffering. You know, if there's a sense of, oh, what a relief. And so we're, we're kind of more focused on the, the sense that the suffering has diminished as opposed to knowing wisdom did that. So it's, 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 uh, it's just a little bit of a kind of turning towards the appreciation that wisdom, wisdom is the factor of the mind that allows the release from suffering. It, that, that, just that understanding helps perhaps um, mitigate our, our view or idea that I did that. You know, that I made that happen somehow. So a few of the ways we might experience wisdom at work. I think one of the most, imp- one of the most uh, familiar ways, or maybe a kind of a, a more um, common way, a more available way to notice that wisdom is working is when we might feel a shift of perspective around something difficult. So we're, we're observing something challenging and we feel kind of struggle caught by it. And then suddenly there's a kind of where we continue to kind of hang out with it. We have the sense of, okay, just keep being with it. Just keep being with it. And then maybe there's a little bit of a shift, the feeling of being caught by it, goes away and it it's not that the thing goes away but there's a sense of it's okay this is just something happening this is just frustration arising this is just a feeling of confusion happening so it's it's um 
it's a shift in the mind from kind of the view or the belief, you know, what wisdom has done there perhaps is to release the belief that this arising needs to be, something needs to be done with it. So when, for, for instance, when frustration arises, wisdom understands it just like, oh, this is frustration arising. It's just frustration happening in the present moment. The confusion around uh, um, frustration might be, this frustration is arising and I need to do something in order to fix the problem that's frustrating me. So that's, that's the perspective of, of greed and aversion. I need to do something with this. The perspective of wisdom says it's just an arising. And when, there, when that perspective is there, often there's a little bit of a shift, a feeling of a softening, a feeling of a more space. There's a, a, a kind of a, a, an experiential, physic, almost physical at times, quality of more space, more ease perhaps a little bit of a release. Even if the frustration doesn't go away or the situation doesn't go away, we understand, oh, this is just frustration. So it's like the impulse to do with that frustration has weakened or fallen away. So there's that kind of a shift, a shift of experience about something challenging. Kind of like, you know, the, and sometimes I use an analogy of a car with difficult emotions, difficult experiences. When we're driving a car and we have our foot full on the gas pedal, um, you know, the, the, the car keeps going. And the momentum of our minds with that belief, I need to do something. So when the frustrations are rising and I need to fix, I need to change. It's like we have our foot on the gas pedal of that frustration. All the thoughts that are in there, the, 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 the foot is on the gas pedal of that frustration. So it keeps going. This shift that I'm talking about is kind of like taking the foot off the gas pedal and putting the car into neutral. The moment when we do that in a car, you know, the momentum of the car doesn't stop. The car keeps going, but there's no longer the propelling forward with it. And so this kind of a shift of, oh, this is just what's happening in the present moment may have that kind of quality. It's like, it's like our minds have been put into a kind of a neutral space where perhaps there's a spinning of the gears of some mental formation like frustration, but they're just spinning. They're no longer, they're no longer locked together. And with, and with the, um, the car analogy, if you put a car into neutral, that momentum will slow down over time. If you leave it in neutral and don't keep re-engaging the gears. So the, that kind of momentum of, uh, seeing, oh, this is just, Sometimes we can then begin to see the momentum of that habit or pattern begin to wind down a little bit. So again, that's in the space of wisdom. Wisdom is able to help the mind hold that experience in that neutrality, in that space of, oh, this is just that this is just kind of 
understanding the wisdom there is often related to seeing experience as experience in the present moment. The shift from the, um, the idea that this needs to be acted on to it's just an experience arising in the present moment. Another flavor of wisdom is um, as we begin to, and this, this I think really begins, so all of this kind of um, wisdom arising is supported by the cultivation of all of the Eightfold Path, but also the concentrated mind, the mind not concentrated and focused, but just stable. We talked last time and the time before about the stability of mind that comes with focusing on one experience and the stability of mind that comes with being stable in awareness with experience changing. The ability to see wisdom at work needs some stability of mind. It doesn't necessarily have to be a long time of stability of mind. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be hours and hours of stability of mind before an insight arises. I've seen very early in my practice, in fact, you know, just the the kind of the deep understanding that can arise as mindfulness comes up in a moment, in a split second. Sometimes I call these, we could call it a burst of concentration. It's a little burst of continuity of mindfulness that happens in a split second. And so sometimes that the 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 what a burst by mean by a burst of continuity is that when sometimes when mindfulness arises you get um it's like very very continuous mindfulness for like 3 seconds. And in that 3 seconds there can be a deep seeing into what's happening in the moment. So those bursts of continuity become more frequent the more we cultivate the path of practice, the more we cultivate mindfulness and concentration. It's, it's almost like just the, uh, that practice of cultivating mindfulness and concentration strengthens the mindfulness that arises to be a little bit more continuous when it, when it arises and we can be more aware of it when it arises. So again, recognizing the mindfulness arising, recognizing the concentration, this supports and cultivates those wholesome qualities as well. So the, the, that, those little bursts of, of concentration sometimes can reveal, um, Kind of the conditioned nature of experience. How one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. This kind of seeing um, it, I really feel like it's connected to the seeing into the not-self nature of experience because so often we assume that the reason something is unfolding the reason why something happens is because I made it happen. Because I decided to think this, or I decided to do this thing. So sometimes we can see 
just in a moment. And maybe in one of those little bursts of mindfulness, we might see a thought arising. And then see how that thought conditions the mind to kind of want to go somewhere. Conditions the mind to kind of want to move in the direction of a particular experience. So I've told this story a lot. The story of seeing a thought arise that um, it was actually while I was cutting an apple, I saw a thought arise about an ex-partner um, being in, at a fruit stand. And so I could see. So this, this, this and the, what I'm describing here took, took place in a matter of a couple seconds. So I was cutting the apple. I saw the thought. And I saw that the mind wanted to kind of jump on that thought and think more thoughts to become angry with that person wanting revenge of some kind. So there, the, that seeing happened in a split second. And the very seeing of the, mo- the impulse towards wanting to get angry, the wisdom that arose in that moment was, yeah, that way lies suffering. That way lies suffering. So that, that for me was an insight into essentially dukkha. You know, that direction will lead to suffering. And then witnessing that the mind just let it go. It let go of that direction. And so in that little burst of continuity, there was a lot of seeing, just like seeing the, the conditioned nature. I'm not doing this. That was another, another, there was like, I wasn't doing two parts of it. I wasn't doing the pattern of the habit unfolding around the thought, the intention towards getting angry, the, you know, I wasn't doing that part. And I also noticed that I wasn't doing this awareness, that that was a gift that was unfolding, this, the seeing of it, and then the release from the movement towards the, the anger. I didn't let that happen. I didn't make that happen. I saw, again, I saw that that just happened. So a lot of insight, not only into dukkha there, but into not-self. So seeing the conditioned nature of experience arising, sometimes we see how a thought will lead to a, a, a kind of an intention and to an emotion. And that begins to undermine the belief in that I'm doing it, because we can see so clearly it's just happening. It's like dominoes falling. So that, again, is the experience of wisdom. Wisdom seeing the conditioned nature of experience. Sometimes another kind of wisdom might be um, at times when the mindfulness and concentration together are very um, penetrating. When the wisdom is strong, Sometimes as soon as we see, as soon as we actually recognize, oh, yeah, that's anger arising in the present moment, or that's frustration arising in the present moment. A few minutes ago, I talked about seeing that and feeling a shift of perspective. Oh, it's just that arising. But seeing that it, the momentum of it continues. There is wisdom there, but it's, 
it's um it's a wisdom that is kind of at the beginning over time sometimes wisdom can be stronger and it might as soon as it sees as soon as the the awareness kind of notices oh that's that's happening it's just like it it goes poof it just vanishes right in the moment of being seen sometimes this can be the strength of concentration but sometimes it's the strength of wisdom that allows us to that that allows the mind to just let it go in that moment the wisdom maybe there's there's two different different kinds of wisdom that might be happening here or more probably two that i can think of in this moment um one it might be that the the mindfulness and the concentration are so strong that they're really attuned to the impermanent nature of experience and seeing that it's just an arising and it's ceasing so we might be attuning to the impermanent nature of experience in seeing it vanish like that or it might be that the mind kind of like i described a minute ago the mind really connects to wow that's arising and it's suffering it's suffering to have that in the mind and the mind the wisdom in that moment understanding how to let it go and doing that letting go in that moment we can't do that letting go again it's it's the it's the strength of wisdom that allows the release from suffering and it's a gift it's a gift but there are the conditions that allow us to support the cultivation of that seeing so sometimes as soon as a reactive habit or pattern as soon as suffering is seen it will vanish the the first time i consciously noticed this i didn't trust it i didn't actually believe i thought i thought i couldn't I, i thought i didn't know how to witness or observe emotions and i went to my teacher and that's what i said i said this was on a three month retreat and i said i don't know how to observe emotions and thank goodness she didn't just launch into a dharma talk about you know in in that interview about well let i'll tell you how to observe emotions she said well what did you experience and i said i noticed that i was experiencing a kind of a feeling of loneliness and when i turned to look at it i couldn't see it anymore and she said trust your experience i thought it was some flaw in my capacity to be mindful that i didn't know how to but it was it was almost like it just went away and it's like huh i don't feel that loneliness anymore and and she said she she asked me you know she asked me some questions and she said trust your experience so that's an example of how we can misunderstand you know that that was wisdom wisdom was working there and i thought it was delusion how <laughs> i couldn't see something so those are just a few ways so i'll just rename them kind of the feeling a shift of perspective around something challenging and noticing something experience as experience in the present moment this is just this arising 
seeing the conditioned nature of experience, kind of seeing one thing lead to another, lead to another, the witnessing of that, kind of the not me doing it. And then this kind of quick disappearance of a reactivity when it is met with mindfulness. These are all ways that wisdom is at work. So recognizing these these moments, these moments of freedom, really. There's a freedom that happens in those moments. Whether a, a kind of a large freedom or a, a kind of a more, just a shift of a perspective and there's a little more ease. There's a way in which we can appreciate the, the release from the suffering there and understand that it's wisdom that's supporting that. The experience when we can recognize these small moments, they're they're essentially little gifts of, if not non-greed, non-aversion, and non-delusion, much reduced greed, aversion, and delusion. And the experience of the release, the freedom from greed, aversion, and delusion, that is experienced as very, very freeing. The mind really understands the absence of greed, aversion, and delusion there as being a different way to live in this world. And those moments, they're, they're kind of a pointer for us. They, they give us a taste. They give us a little taste of what it might be like for the mind to let go of great aversion and delusion. And so they're, they're little pointers. The, actually, the definition of freedom, one of the most um, easily accessible definitions of freedom, of enlightenment, is the absence of greed, aversion, and delusion. It's not the presence of anything. It's the absence of those reactive habits and patterns of mind. And so the taste of the reduction of greed, aversion, and delusion, the taste in moments of a mind that has let go of greed, aversion, and delusion, these are pointers in the direction of freedom, freedom from suffering. And they are impermanent. (laughs) The conditions, until, until the conditions are, until wisdom is so strong that it is kind of uh, continuously, um, when wisdom gets really strong, the momentum of wisdom Greed, aversion, and delusion won't be arising. But the momentum of wisdom is, again, wisdom as a, a mental formation. It comes and goes. It gets stronger and stronger through the, through the life of our practice, but wisdom comes and goes. And so wisdom will, will fall away. And we'll be caught in our delusions and confusions again. This is not a problem. It's just the nature of our minds. It's just the nature of our minds. But something about the shift of mind that happens when we have experienced 
there's something about when we've experienced some of that taste of freedom, unless we're second guessing ourselves, which I did plenty of following some of those understandings, when I got caught by delusion again, my mind was would kind of like, well, I must not have seen that, you know, I, it must have been, it must have been imagination or something. Because that's the way delusion works, you know, delusion obscures things, it doesn't really uh, connect, it's just like wisdom and delusion, like delusion does not get wisdom at all. It just doesn't get it. And so when delusion is arising, there can be a little bit of the understanding of when, as wisdom strengthens over time, there is the understanding of, yes, that capacity to see through greed, aversion, and delusion, to understand impermanent, unreliable, not-self. That capacity is there. But it's just not happening right now. It's just not happening right now. And, and yet the, the confidence that can come from those moments can reinvigorate our um, engagement, our energy to apply the practice, weaving those strands of the Eightfold Path together, supporting more capacity for understanding. <laughs> 